Good evening, everybody. This is the, the Chinchilla Picking Podcast. It is March 15th, the Ides of March. Beware of the Ides of March 2022. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and I am here with Brandon Beaver. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing good. Just had a long day, but I'm doing good. Isn't it I'm doing well? I think it's I'm doing well. I think it is. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing well. Well, I don't know. What do I know? I don't, I don't, I don't speak the English. Um, <laughs> I don't know words. <laughs> it is the eyes of March, though. Uh, sorry, I'm a Shakespeare fan. Uh, uh, and if anybody out there is a Shakespeare fan like me, um, I am definitely an Oxfordian, not a Stratford upon Avon. See, this is how much into literature I'm not. I thought it, <laughs> I thought it was a reference to college basketball. <laughs> no, it was not a reference to college basketball. It was a reference to Shakespeare uh, Caesar play. Uh, so there you go. That, that's that's yeah, that is. But NCAA tournament is coming up, and in two days it is St. Patrick's Day. So we got a lot of fun things happening this week, guys, uh, and a lot of things happening in the markets. Right? We have so much. I don't believe Brandon and I can fit it all in one show unless we give you a three-hour show, and we don't want to do that. But uh, I could talk it, for three hours. I, I could too, but I, I just don't know if anyone would listen to the whole three-hour show. People would listen to me <laughs> if they know what's good for them. Right there, you go. Wow, confidence is high for this guy. Oh, that's that's the confidence is was it was something this high right before the fall. So there you go. That's that's where you're at right now. Um, well, then let's get into it, shall we? Rules, rules, rules. Uh, Brandon and I get together five minutes before the show, and we tell each other what we're going to talk about. We actually save the live discussion for you here on the show. In fact, I, I don't even think I was listening when Brandon was talking, and that is serious. Um, so I, I'm going to be surprised by what he has to bring up here. Um, I was researching something on my phone. I apologize. Uh, but here we go. I get to go first. Uh, I am the lucky winner tonight. I won the drawing. No, Brandon just went first last couple of times, so I'm going first this time. Uh, we're going to talk about Intel for a minute, Brandon. Intel, Intel, the chip maker. I love semiconductors. I keep them all on my watch list. These are they are ones that uh, I I continually watch, and Intel is one of my long term holds. Intel and Nvidia both are my uh, two of my long term holds. Right, I've told you that before. So Intel recently had made moves into Germany, and they're going to be building a plant. Right there in Germany, right next to all the automakers, they're going to be building a chip plant. So this is it's a $17 billion chip plant they're going to be building, and I think it's a good investment for Intel. But I say that, and yet Germany's putting up most of that money. So Intel's not even really paying for their own plant. So that's what makes so, it a good investment. Right? And so it, this is the thing that, all right, I, I'm going to give you a few more things about where Intel's going in the world. And then I want to go into like how smart this is of them. They're also building tech jobs in France. That's going to be the tech side of the business. They're going to have the France companies, thousand jobs there. They're going to be increasing their lab space in Poland and Barcelona that they currently have. Altogether, they're looking at $80 billion investments in Europe alone this is after the the ukraine situation with the and now here hold up you're going to get to where i'm going to circle around all the dots are going to connect it's all going to make sense 
just give me a bear with me for one minute, Brandon. Bear with me because so <clears throat> they're doing all this right at the same time that they're building the US based chip plants as well and signing deals with the United States saying, Hey, Ohio, we'll come in there and build this if you give us, you know, no taxes for five years and help us pay part of this plant. And Ohio's like, Sure, yeah, sounds great. The whole time, right? This all happened after this whole supply chain thing, the chip shortages. Intel is going around to all these major countries in the world saying, hey, we'll build chip plants right in your country, in your backyard, so you don't have to worry about supply chain anymore. You don't have to worry about chips from uh, China. You don't have to worry about you know, chip shortages because we can't get them. It's going to be built right here. And then they're turning around and saying, oh, yeah, by the way, can you pay for it? And countries are like, yes, our people hated the chip shortages. Our people hated the supply chain problems. Yes, we'll fork out the money. We'll give you the tax breaks. We'll let you build these plants here. Yes, uh, not all the money is coming from the countries. Intel is putting up some of its own money, but they're getting really low interest rates on these loans. Intel is making moves here. And this is why I started purchasing Intel and I called it a long-term buy. I saw this happening and I said, guys, this is what Intel is doing. It's a smart play. I don't believe they're the only one, but they're the only one who's come out and actually signed deals and sealed those deals and made these announcements. Brandon, do you agree with my viewpoint yeah, on yeah. this? Or, or you know, what? It's so funny. This is market bizarro world right now because these companies are bullish on the long-term aspects. Uh, I mean, we're just, we just received word Goldman's analysts said that there's, and then the United States, $1 trillion worth of buybacks coming. It's a record amount of companies buying back their stocks this year. And you've got Intel. And of all things, of all things, making investments in Europe right now. And I understand the reasoning for the stock market going down, but it's just bizarre to see the stock market tanking while earnings are not. And maybe it's the expectation that inflation will eat into those earnings. And we said this was going to be a tough year. Going into this year, I was relatively bearish. But now everybody's so negative that I have to be positive. Well, yeah. But here's the thing, though. The bottom line is what you're talking about. That's what what we call earnings or your your actual profit, your bottom line. Your bottom line is, is somewhat grown, but is your top line grown? And that's where I question it. Like, are they just able to grow the bottom line by making cuts and adjustments to the processes or are they actually organically growing the bottom line with profit margin and i don't think they are because of inflation they can't grow it with profit margin i have seen cuts for sure they're they're doing it with cuts and that doesn't always work well for the economy and i've seen a number of companies so far that have reported with lower revenues or flat revenues but their earnings per share were up like 25 percent and that's because of the cuts that you're talking about. Yeah. And, and that, that's, that's the only way to make those type of things happen. It's either you're, you're raising your profit margins, which right now in this high inflationary market, it's almost near impossible to do. You can do it in certain cases, but it's, it's very rare. Well, and so it's, doing it. it's great. I mean, like this is spectacular performance by management. There, there are a handful of companies that are actually able to increase their profit margins right now, which is mind blowing to me. It's, it's companies with products that you need yeah. right? and, and that you, you can't go without. And so they're just going to raise the prices and say, sorry, man, this is just the new price for this. You know, I mean, 
look, I mean, just I'm sorry. I don't want to go back to the basics and sound like a, a, a news anchor here, but let me look at the price of beef. <laughs> it's, I mean, we're always uh, Americans uh, buy a lot of beef and it the price was like four bucks a pound just a few years ago. And now it's like I go into the market for the same type of beef I bought four bucks a pound for. It's now eight bucks a pound. You know, it's just it's it's gone up. Yeah. Well, the other but, day, the other day I went to my girlfriend and I was like, hey, you deserve an expensive night out. We're going to go somewhere expensive, get dressed up. You got gas, didn't you? Next thing I know, <laughs> the next thing I know, we're at BP. <laughs> That's all yes. I can afford to do. And then the gas that I got got me back home. <laughs> there you go. Right. That was that was a nice night out, man. Uh, but yeah, so back to Intel. I don't think they're going to be the only chip maker that does this. I see other chip makers doing this. In fact, one of the ones I see doing it is my other long-term investment hold, NVIDIA. NVIDIA. So NVIDIA is one of the top 100 companies held by ETFs and or mutual funds and you know all these other funds. Of these, NVIDIA is, actually has the highest projective growth for the stock um, for any one of these top 100 companies owned by uh, an ETF or mutual fund. The projected growth for NVIDIA is 82%. For this year? Wow. And I'm like, guys, do you see the, why I bought NVIDIA? Do you see why I bought Intel? I bought these because I believe in the strength of the companies. We need them. We're always going to need them. In fact, our, our need for chips is just going to grow as we become more technologically advanced. I, I see you know, NVIDIA being a future, especially as we move into a metaverse or a VR world or we go into higher graphics, Intel is going to be growing into all the cars. I mean, they built their they're building a plant right next to Volkswagen and Audi and BMW. I mean, come on. I, I think that's on purpose, don't you? So, <laughs> I mean, this is they're they're making moves and we should be aware, uh, aware of it and watch the stocks. Is it now Intel, I believe it's not going to pop overnight. Right. You're not going to see the growth overnight. That's a long-term hold for me. NVIDIA is a long-term hold for me as well. I just want to preface by saying that is in there. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's trading at 55 earnings right now, which is, I mean, that's a, it's generally a high-priced earnings ratio for this kind of environment. But if you're saying 82% growth, it's just a deal still. It's still a deal. <laughs> that's what I say, man. I, 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 you know, I see it going right back up to 300 where it was. You know, and 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 beyond. Who knows? Who knows, man? Uh, but uh, I would get out eventually at some point, just like I did before. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold on. I, I take my gains after I see the the PE get too high and the the growth starts to drop. That's when I start pulling out. Yeah. But those uh those are definitely two I'm looking at. The uh, the other thing I wanted to mention before I I give it over to Brandon here was and I'm pulling this up. There was Walmart came out and says. And this is why I'm starting with Walmart, because it's not the only company doing this, but I want to start as Walmart as an example, right? I'm going to mention what Walmart's doing, but this is an example of what the broader market is doing or what major companies are doing and going into the future. And I know you've heard about people talk about the same sector in the market on CNBC, Bloomberg, all the channels have talked about it for the past year. So you should be well informed of it. But Walmart is uh, creating... A, a, a bigger division. They already have this division, but bigger by 5,000 new employees, all to be for IT, but mainly cybersecurity. Cybersecurity. 
And this is going to be a big part of every major company. And I know all these great analysts on, on TV have been saying this for a long time now. I'm not the first one. I'm probably the last one, if anything, to get on here and say this. But, you know, when Walmart's creating an, uh, an IT division that, well, a big portion of it will be cybersecurity of 5,000 people. I mean, that's something that we uh, you need to take a, take a look at and understand and see, is there any cybersecurity firms that you can invest in? Are there any ones that have some strong growth? Because as, as we see in their ge- geopolitical environment, Russia has, has been accused of cyber attacks multiple, multiple times. China has been accused of cyber attacks. The uh, uh, hacker group Anonymous has done cyber attacks on everybody. <laughs> they're, they're indiscriminate on who they do. So I'm like, there's cyber attacks everywhere. This is a, a field definitely to uh, that there's going to be more growth in. So this would be a good sentiment play and maybe even a hedge crowd st- strike. It's down 4.64% for the year. Well, there you go, man. I have to, I have to look at it before I would recommend it as a call, but I mean, it's just one that came to my mind. I mean, preferably you find something that has consistent positive earnings, but it's been profitable for the past year. So, yeah, I, I, I just came across the uh, Walmart article and a couple other companies that were doing the same thing uh, just earlier today. So I didn't have any time to really look into like what cybersecurity firms, but you're, you're, you're mentioning CrowdStrike and that rings the bell of me. I've seen it multiple times on on CNBC, on, on, on Fox Business. And so I, I, I know the company somewhat, but uh, not enough to make a call on, on the show right now. But if it's 5% down, it might be a good one to grab while it's dipping. So that's all I wanted to cover right now. Like I, like I was telling Brandon before the show, I have more we can cover, but I'm going to hand over him and let him take the over? reins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand you over. I'm going to hand you over. Audience. <laughs> Where were you? What topic are you leading into us next? Uh, Ukraine. <laughs> oh, Surprise. Course, right. So I, I wanted to go shopping because, I mean, it's just back in December, you know, I was bearish. We were, we were going into the Santa Claus rally and I was saying, take some cash, put it aside. One third of your portfolio should be cash. Now I think you just start putting it to work on these dips because everybody's so negative, you know? If we have a nuclear war, none of this is going to matter anyways. So that's, and that's actually true. That's fine, very true. Right. You have, I, I said this a couple weeks ago, you have to see the forest through the trees. Bad times don't last. Eventually we'll get through it and then there'll be good times. So see the forest through the trees. What happens next? And I'll tell you what happens next. The fed is raising rates. And the 10-year is still on a, a uh, pretty good tra- trajectory trend upwards. And it was largely until maybe today ignored by the market. Everybody was freaking out over Ukraine. Most U.S. banks have pulled most of their money out of Russia already. And they did it way back in 2014 when Russia invaded Crimea. So this is this should not have a large effect on U.S. banks. European banks, it will. Italy is the uh, country right now that has the largest, um, the largest exposure to Russia. So I would stay away from Italy, and I'll talk about that a little bit more uh, as I get through this year. There's some statistics involving Italy and Russia. Um, 
But CFRA came out with a report on um, banks in regards to the Ukraine-Russia war. They say that it's not likely to lead to a sharp swing in U.S. bank provisions for loan losses. Um, They're not dismissing the magnitude of the crisis, but they're saying that the likelihood of this leading to a recession so far for the United States is low. Um, One one bank out of all the ones that I was looking at, there was some red flags here. Citigroup has about $10 billion of total exposure to Russian uh, counterparties, mostly related to loans and reverse repos or counterparty risks. So I'd probably stay away from Citigroup. But Russia was not a top 20 country on J.P. Morgan Chase's filing. Goldman does have about $293 million in exposure to Russia, but that's down from $414 million from, um, as of December 31st, 2021, and that is not a large portion of their balance sheet. Go ahead, Dave. So I want to respond to your comment that uh, it should not uh, lead to a uh, downturn in the U.S. economy. I, you know, I believe that uh, high inflation, Americans overextended to the point that we need companies like a firm to buy things off of Amazon um, will lead to uh, uh, a downturn in the U S economy, whether or not it's a recession, or not, or I don't know, but it will be a downturn for sure. And I, I think we were, we were already headed on that before Ukraine hit. And I think well, the, the whole Ukraine thing might just be that tipping point that pushes us to that. So it's possible, but those storm clouds have been seen by the market. And I think they were priced in. And so now I'm looking forward to what happens after inflation peaks. And because I think inflation, 8% CPI, 8.5% has been priced into this market. That doesn't mean that we won't see any more downswings in the short term. But um, what happened happened with the rebound is what I'm saying. What, what, a quick question off the top of your head. Do you know the, the highest peak of inflation during the uh, hyperinflation of the 70s was? I actually don't know. If you would have asked me on my like podcast that I did when we were talking about this earlier, I probably would have known then. I would guess 10%. And that's where I'm thinking as well. And my point by saying that is, you know, we hit that point of hyperinflation at, at, at some point in our, in our history's past, and we came back from it, and we got it back down low. Yeah, well, look at the so- it took a recession to get there because it took Paul Volcker coming out, raising rates and pulling back the purse strings of the government. And that was a that was a short term shock, but it did the right thing. And and that's what we have to do now is we have to raise rates and pull in the purse strings of the government in order to, uh, you know, bring inflation back down. Yeah, I, I think the market will actually react positively to what the Fed does if the Fed. I- I see the Fed raising rates, but I don't see us pulling in the purse strings of the government. Yeah, they say 25 basis points. I really hope the Ukraine situation does not impact the Fed, but I could see it happening because the United States government is going to want to raise more money for weapons and uh, producing a larger military, and they're not going to want to do that with high interest rates. So I can see it affecting the Powell's decision, which is very unfortunate. I don't think it should, and I hope it doesn't, but I have, I have very good confidence that they're going to announce a 25 basis point uh, rate increase. Yeah, I think that's what the market's pricing in. I think they've priced in probably almost seven of uh, 25 basis point raise. Uh, I didn't expect that to happen so soon. 
But anyways, you were saying banks and uh, we, we got off the topic there. Banks and uh, you don't feel like uh, they're they're that affected by what's oh, going on in Ukraine. Let me give you this this statistic here, because I mentioned two hundred ninety three million dollars from uh, Goldman is exposed to Russia. And that's a very large number. But their assets that they are controlling total to two point four seven trillion dollars. <laughs> but they're trading at a five price to earnings ratio right now. Huh. It's actually, and it's a 2022 discount when you look at forward earnings, which I think is the most important. Uh, uh, here's here's my question, most Brandon. Most important metric in regards to price to earnings. You're not looking at trailing 12 months because we've we've got all of the the stimulus and all of that was priced into that trailing 12 months price to earnings. So so that five. You could look at that and say that that's a little skewed, but their forward earnings for 2022, it's the price to earnings for that is eight. So gotcha. still pretty low. And gotcha. you compare that to Charles, Charles Schwab, their forward PE is 20 and BlackRock is 15. And CFRA, oh, go ahead, Dave. What were you going to say? No, 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 no. Go ahead, man. You first. CFRA says we think Goldman Sachs can extend Quality growth and asset wealth management, consumer banking, while investment banking has a strong pipeline, they are the best way to invest in these trends as the market leader in equity, capital markets, and investment banking. That's what CFRA says. I agree. Here's my question. I'm wondering if Goldman did these investments after everybody sold out (laughs) or if they had them the whole time. And it's possible. They put a they put a price target of uh, on Goldman for this year at 440. We're currently trading at 329.16. Their 440 dollar price target would give them a forward PE of 10. So that would still not be that high. That it's actually a fairly conservative estimate in my mind, especially with interest rates going higher, the 10 year yield going higher. The uh, yield curve, which I've talked about being a big concern, it's not flat. It's actually been steepening a little bit, which is the, that's a, <laughs> just another thing in my that kind of blows my mind. If we're looking at a recession and the market, usually you don't have a steepening yield curve. Usually it's flattening. Usually, yep. usually there's that kind of panic in the bonds, right? So, huh. And then I would also, I would, uh, my other bank that I would recommend here, I didn't buy this one. I did buy Goldman. So we'll put that on the table that I am, I am invested in Goldman Sachs, but I did not buy Bank of America, but I would also be bullish on Bank of America. Um, I might buy Goldman now. Yeah, I would. You, I would either go Bank of America or Goldman. Um, in Q4 2021, net interest income rose 11.3%. Um, They've got a forward of their $53 price target on Bank of America. CFRA says this. That's based on a 15.x price to earnings ratio. So 15 times price to earnings ratio. And that's forward as well. And what I like about this report is that they're using forward earnings for banks. They're not using the trailing 12 months, which throws it all off because of everything we went through. So. They view that Bank of America will benefit from a strong U.S. economy in 2022. So that whole um, their estimation here is coming from like they don't think we're going to have a recession. Um, And and there's some there's there's some validity to this. Right. 
the gas prices are tough. There's a very good chance that gas prices could lead to a recession. But on the other side of this, the bull case here is that we've still got a labor shortage in this economy. And maybe instead of, you know, not getting a job, a lot of people start participating in the workforce again. And we maybe maybe the five dollar a gallon um, oil, if we get there, it's we think we've dropped like 20 percent since the oil's high. It's been very volatile. Um, but if we get to five dollar a gallon oil, that may wind up solving our labor labor crisis. So that yeah. just pay off there. So there could be a trade off. That that is a thought. I like it. I like where your head's at. Um, that might be a like you said a solution to labor crisis, and and that would help the economy and it, it would hold us off from going into a recession. Yeah, I think I I still see a, a correction happen at some point in the markets, um, maybe a downturn in the economy. But right now it's summertime. Uh, United States is open uh, pretty much everywhere as far as masks and mandates. It's opening up. People want to get out. They want to go on vacation. Uh, a lot of people are going to go around the United States. I, I probably, I don't see a lot of international travel, but the airlines did come out and say that they're seeing a huge boost in travel everywhere, international, domestic, everywhere. Delta is saying, oh, we're, we're doing higher than we've ever done. So, I mean, back in, uh, what was it, a couple months ago, we talked about Delta and how below 40 I would buy it. And, yeah. you know, I mean, now they're coming out and saying, oh, we've done better. We've doing better than what we've ever done. I don't, even, I don't even know what they're at right now, but I mean, that's news right there that we are right that, uh, you know, hey, Delta's a company to, to buy. Americans are sick and tired of sitting at home. We want to get out and see stuff. Yeah, and, and they've, stuff. Got, they've got some, you know, they've got some hedges. They actually produce some oil for themselves. Um, but, you know, I thought that the rising price of oil would scare people away from airlines and it did, but you can use this as an opportunity. It's $34 and 99 cents a share right now and trade it up. I would do, this would be to me a a medium term swing trade based on a reversal of sentiment. Um, I wouldn't hold it over the long period because I, I just don't like investing long, long term in, very competitive industries and the airline industry is very, very competitive, but I do think you can buy it here and then hold it back into the forties. Once sentiment starts to turn around, especially if oil prices start to, you know, come back down again, then it'll be a big beneficiary there. Um, I mentioned that I would be bearish on Italy and uh, they have, they, they, as a country, Italy is the largest country of outstanding debt from Russian residents. They have $25.3 billion in outstanding debt. To the United States, that might not be that much, but to Italy, uh, as a portion of their GDP, it's it's a large percentage. So yeah, isn't it like what the United States produced, like while we were recording the show? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I I jest. I am joking, but uh. And then France yeah. is not too far behind at twenty five point two billion. So I'm staying away from from European banks because of that, because they all you know there's a lot of a lot of different exposure to. Uh, Italy and France and to Russia and, and European banks. I wouldn't do Credit Suisse. I wouldn't do UBS. Nothing like that. Stay in line with the U.S. banks and then just track, you know, what kind of exposure do they have to Russia? And even if they do have that, you know, we you said 10% for Goldman Sachs, but look where it's trading at and it's down for the year. That's probably priced in. It is priced in. What else you got, man? 
No, I just I'm I have to be positive now. Like <laughs> you don't have to be nobody done. ever says you have to be positive, we, man. We have done in three months what I expected to happen in one year. So now my estimation was wrong. Either we've priced everything in and we're gonna have an upswing, or the rest of this year is gonna be even tougher than I thought it would be. But if you're buying stocks and investments and, and stuff, the good news is you don't have an expiration date on these stocks like you do on options or anything like that, right? So yeah. time is your friend. Yep. And and I'm taking a bullish stance here. I heard uh, Mr. Wonderful. Oh, he, I love him. Yep. Yeah, me too. And, and he was talking about meta. <laughs> so you got to bring meta up again, right? And he said he loves it when... When every analyst hates a stock that's earnings have not declined and their earnings are still powerful and their financials are still good, when every analyst hates it, that's when you buy it. That's when you get your best deals. Yeah, they're down from their highs. They're at 192 right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been rough. I won't I won't deny it. I won't deny it. It's been rough. But I still have my conviction. I still but I mean, like like I said last week, man, that's that's one I would do the thirty percent rule. I buy, put thirty yeah. percent of what I plan to put in it now. Wait for it to drop because I expect it to drop a little more. Put thirty percent more in, and so on and so forth. And worst case scenario is I put thirty percent in, and it goes up, and you know I I only make money on a third of what I plan to. So yeah. So and then and the other thing that I wanted to bring up, Restoration Hardware has been having some troubles as a stock ever since I mentioned it on this show, but I'm still long. And earnings. It's the Brandon are- curse. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, Jim Cramer's luck is rubbing off on me. <laughs> it's just, no, I they've got a great setup going into earnings. Everybody's so bearish on it, and 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 it's trading the price of earnings uh, is a discount to its actual growth. And um, I think it's a good setup. Earnings are next week. I would buy it before earnings. And if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. I'll come on the show and I will admit that I'm wrong if it drops on earnings. But I I really don't think it will. Uh, last year per uh, last year. RH uh, reported earnings, uh, annual earnings were $17.83. Estimations right now, this is a pretty big spread between the estimations here, uh, percentage-wise. The low end of the estimation is $16.47. The high end is $19.24. I think they're going to knock it out of the park. Um, Wealthy people that shop at RH have not been touched by inflation like me and you have. They, they don't hurt uh, like the working class, you know. Inflation hurts the middle class and then the working class even harder. The wealthy, mm-hmm. they'll be fine. And yeah, that's their that's their that's their constituents. Of, yeah, it's because they can always earn earn more. They can earn money at a higher rate than inflation. Yeah, they're just stacking the cash right now. Yeah. Waiting for deflation to kick in so that they are even richer. <laughs> that's what happens that's why rich get rich they that's why the richer i mean not why the rich get rich but why the rich get richer during recessions first of all they invest when stocks go down and second of all they're stacking the cash and waiting for it once deflation kicks in then all of a sudden their purchasing purchasing power goes even higher so yep that's yep. all i got 
that's all we need to have, man. That's a, that was, I think we, we got a full show here. I'll do my final thought. Final thought is I'm still bullish on Intel in the long term. I'm still bullish on the video in the long term. All these articles coming out about them recently just prove my point. Um, I'm still bullish on those two for long term. Other long term is cooler, but I'm starting to buy in. I'm going to start buying in a position into Meta. Again, I want to say I'm buying in, but I believe it to be going down in the short term. So I'm going to be buying in 30% now, 30% after job, 30% after another job, so on and so forth. That's my plan. That's why I'm sticking to it. Uh, Brandon, final thought? Yeah, I also was doing some shopping in the small cap area for financials because they also tend to get um, a little rowdy after interest rates. (laughs) I don't know why I said that, but... Anyways, I came up on Voya Financial and I'm not positive on this. I'm not negative on it either because I haven't done enough research into it. It trades at a a significant discount below price to book of one. Um, EPS on this company increased from $4.25 to an estimated $5.90 over the past five quarters, which is that's a really high growth that that's really good um but one of the things that i want to look at you mentioned that they may be partially at least owned by ubs if that's the case i don't want anything to do with them uh i need to see what their russian exposure is uh their current debt to equity ratio is 0.31 which is low it's below its industry average uh all this implies successful management but there's just something that uh, that is telling me I need to I need to look further into this and see why it's trading at such a discount. So anything with the price book ratio below one could either be a great deal or it could be a trap because there could be a great reason as to why it's trading that low. So it's a trap. <laughs> All right, sorry, that was Star Wars nerd of me coming out. Um all right, guys, uh, as always, we've, we've been entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Good night.